Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. Welcome back, everyone. I know it's been a while. I have actually moved. I now serve as pastor of Winterville Baptist Church here in Winterville. It's kind of ironic. I've had one opportunity to preach from the here as their pastor, and I've been here for three weeks. Thanks to the coronavirus and all the precautions that are going on, we've been in much prayer. I've been doing online services, live streaming our services from the sanctuary, preaching and teaching to a basically an empty sanctuary as all our people are at home uh, watching the live stream and participating in the worship services in the most safe way that they can. Today is March 22nd. It's Sunday. This morning I brought a message from Psalm 91. I want to share that message with you today. I promise I'm going to be back on the podcast on a regular basis very soon and we'll get back on the topic of recovering from addictions from a biblical perspective. But in the midst of everything going on in our world today with the coronavirus and all the fears and anxiety, I wanted to share this message with you. How are you going to respond to the coronavirus? It's from Psalm 91. I hope it'll bless you and encourage you. We're going to be at Psalm 91. I believe God's got a message for me and for you, for every one of us. In the midst of all this chaos and all this anxiety and all this fear, God wants to speak a calming word to you this morning. We're in Psalm 91, and I'm going to pick up in verse 1. I want you to follow along in the reading of the Word of God and your copy of the Scripture this morning. Psalm 91, verse 1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the error that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot, because he holds fast to me in love. I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. 
I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Now, I just want to remind you, this is God's word. So this is God speaking to you and speaking to me. And just these last three verses, let me read them again, and then we're going to pray. It says, because he holds fast to me in love, God's saying, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pause right here. Let's go to God in prayer together. Let's ask him to bless the reading of his word this morning that we might understand and receive what we just read. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God in heaven, how grateful we are for your blessed word this morning. I thank you for Psalm 91. I thank you for the encouragement, the peace that it ought to bring us right now. And Lord, I'm just going to pause and, and ask, Lord, I pray I'd get out of the way. I don't want to complicate things. I certainly don't want to speak in the flesh. I want to decrease. I pray, Lord God, you would increase. We're going to claim the victory over the devil, all the distractions, all the obstacles, all the sickness that he wants to put before us, Lord. We are more than conquerors through Christ. And, Lord, I believe that because your word says it so. And so I just pray you take the reading of your perfect, infallible, inerrant, inspired word on this Lord's day. And, Lord, through the Internet, I just pray that it would just flood truth in the homes, in the hearts, in the communities, into our country. Lord, drive out the fear. Speak to us, Lord, your word, your truth today. And I pray if there might be somebody listening to this message who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I pray all that's getting ready to change because of the work you're getting ready to do in the power of your Holy Spirit through the preaching of your word. I pray that you'd receive all the glory for what is about to happen in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In 1892, after a year of fruitful evangelistic service, the famous well-known evangelist D.L. Moody left England to return to the United States. He was anxious to see family and friends again. As they traveled on board that ship for three days out in the ocean, the ship stopped because a shaft had broken and the ship began to take on water. Everybody on board the vessel feared they were getting ready to die. They feared they were going to sink. They were filled with terror and fear because they were unsure if there were any ships anywhere close by that could rescue them. And so three days went on as that ship was dead in the water and it was just being tossed to and fro by the wind and the waves. D.L. Moody went to those commanding that vessel and asked permission for him to conduct a religious service on the deck of that ship. To his surprise, they all agreed. He held that service on board that deck. D.L. Moody told the story later how he had to wrap his arm around a pillar on that ship just so he could stand firm. He said he was so surprised as he wrote about this event later in his writings that almost every single individual on board that vessel attended that service on that deck. All of them were filled with fear and anxiety. D.L. Moody stood there and he opened his Bible to Psalm 91, the same text that we just read. He looked at those terrified passengers in their eyes. He quoted, he read this very first verse in Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In his own words, D.L. Moody would later confess this was the darkest moments in his life. He didn't hadn't experienced fear any other time, any greater than he had at this time. But he said as he stood there on the deck of that ship and he looked at those terrified sailors, 
and he read to them Psalm 91, verse 1. He said the Holy Spirit just did a work. He said there was just such a calm that flooded over me. D.L. Moody said after that service, he went back to his little cabin, and he closed the door, and he got down on his knees, and he said sincerely from his heart, he prayed, and he asked God, he said, Lord God, not my will, but your will be done. D.L. Moody said just an overwhelming peace flooded him. He laid down in that bed that night. He said he went right on to sleep, slept like a baby. Just a few hours later, ships came to rescue every single passenger on board that ship and towed them to port. Down throughout the ages, people have found that God's word is a good remedy for driving out fear and anxiety. You know, fear is a terrible thing. When news of the coronavirus began to hit the media and we began to hear about it in the news just a couple of weeks ago, many people were filled with fear. And their first response was to run out to Walmart or Target or to the grocery store and they just begin to buy up all the face masks and all the hand sanitizers and all the toilet paper they could get their hands on. You know, it reminds me in eastern North Carolina. I grew up here in Washington, North Carolina. Anytime it snows, I mean, we have a quarter inch of snow on the ground, and people go crazy. The first thing they do is they run to the grocery store, and they get the milk, the bread, and the eggs. They get all the milk and the bread and the eggs they can get on the shelf, which is an interesting phenomenon because when you think about it, all three of those are perishable items. You'd be a whole lot better going to the grocery store and stocking up on Spam and sardines. You hear me? Because those things last forever. You say, oh, me, preacher, I'd never eat that. Well, that's what I say about liver and onions. But, you know, people began to panic. They heard about this, and panic hit the streets and homes and hearts of people, and they just uh, went out and tried to buy up all these things that they thought they were going to need. I saw on the news recently where a young lady even went to the expense and the extent of having her eggs frozen because she was afraid this virus was going to somehow hinder her from having children, even though there's no evidence. No evidence at all that coronavirus has anything to do with fertility. Fear is a terrible thing. Fear can paralyze you. The scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. People that are controlled by fear are people who are out of control. And I, I could spend all morning this morning just going through the long list of things that people are afraid of. Some people are afraid of snakes. Some people are afraid of heights. Some people are afraid of closed-in spaces. Uh, some people are afraid of water. Some people are afraid of getting out of church late. You know, the great thing about having church this way, you can get up and leave the room. Nobody will know it unless they're sitting there in the room with you. You can also attend in your pajamas. Probably some of you are attending this service right now. So you got to look on the bright side of things. you got to know God's in control, and God's going to use all these things for his glory and for our good. I want you to note some things with me this morning from God's word that I'll encourage you this morning. Number one, how are you going to respond to the coronavirus? Number one, position is important. Position is important. Where are you going to position yourself when fear begins to creep in, when crisis hits like what we're in right now and fear wants to take over, position is important. Let me tell you how position is important. A, in God's shadow. That's what I'm talking about, and I see it right here from this text. You need to make sure you position yourself in the correct place in the midst of crisis. Notice what the Word says in verse 1 of our text. This is the verse that D.L. Moody quoted on board that ship. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Can there be any protection 
in the midst of a, a chaos like we're dealing with right now? Can there be any provision? Can there be any freedom from fear? Oh, yes, there can be on the authority of the Word of God if you're in the shadow of the person of the one who can deliver you. Now, the psalmist here is talking about being in the shadow of God. And I want you to know how God is described here. He's called in verse 1 the Most High. And that English translation there in our Bible is the Most High is translated from a Hebrew name for God, and it's the Hebrew name Elyon, which is the name for God that means that God owns everything. Elyon is the Hebrew name for God that speaks of the fact he owns all things. And so I need to make sure I'm in his shadow, in the shadow of the one who owns it all. 36 times in the Bible, we've got this name for God, this Hebrew name is used for God. He owns everything. And so why should I be afraid when I'm in the shadow of the one who owns it all? Now, the Bible also says in verse 1, it calls God Almighty. If you see that, say amen. All right, I hear you. Now, that's the Hebrew name for God, El Shaddai. Now, this is one of my favorite names for God in all the Bible. It speaks about the truth of the fact that God is all-powerful. God has all strength. It refers to the fact that he is the God of heaven. No greater power than God's power. He is El Shaddai. Most of the time in the Bible, when you read of the Hebrew name El Shaddai for God, it appears in the book of Job. I can't think of anybody else in the Bible who needed to be reminded that God is El Shaddai, God is all-powerful than that man, Job. And so, you know, here you are, and you're in the midst of this crisis. Some of you are having to work from home. Some of you are, are hunkered down and, and more or less hibernating, just trying to keep your social distance from everyone and not even going outside any more than you have to. And fear begins to creep in, and you begin to gnaw your fingernails down to the nubs. And, I mean, you lay down at night, and you can't go to sleep, and you're taking sleeping pills. And finally you go to sleep and fear still creeps in because it can get in your dreams. And so you even begin to have dreams that terrify you and make you afraid. I'm talking about this morning how you can be delivered from that kind of fear. Position is important. You need to make sure that you draw close uh, to the one who is all-powerful, the one who owns it all, that you're as close to him as you possibly can be. Look at verse 2. The Bible goes on and says, I will say to the Lord... Now, Lord, in our English Bibles, is in capital letters. That means it's translated from the Hebrew name for God, Jehovah. This is the most sacred name for God known to the Hebrews or to the Jewish people. Jehovah refers to the fact that God is a covenant-making God. He's also a covenant-keeping God. That simply means that God makes promises, but God always delivers on every single one of those promises. He is Jehovah God. He is a God who is eternal. Verse 2 also calls God God, G-O-D. In verse 2, that's the Hebrew name for God, Elohim. Elohim. That speaks to the fact that God be, is, is the creator. He created everything. Elohim is used 2,700 times in the Bible, and it refers to the fact since he is the creator, he alone has the power to create out of nothing. You know, one time long, long ago, God looked into nothingness and God created everything. Isn't that amazing? I mean, man, we can manufacture things, but we can't create things. It's the Hebrew word bara that's used in the book of Genesis, and that's a word that actually means God created out of nothing. 
We can't create out of nothing. We've got to have something to work with. Only God can do that. And so God is creator. God is the one who has power. And also that name for God, Elohim, is in the plural. And again, I remind you, I, I said this in a recent message that we did on live stream. Elohim is plural. I know it's not good English for us to say, I is. But that's exactly what this word means. Or we is. He's the Father. He's the Son. He's the Holy Spirit. He's three yet in one. He is creator. He is all powerful. And so why should I be afraid? When I position myself in the one who is all powerful, in the one who creates everything, in the one who's in control of everything, when I position myself in the shadow of the one who one day looked into nothingness, in the darkness, and just proclaimed with the word of his mouth, and let there be light, and let there be land, and let there be man, and there it was. I have nothing to fear when I'm in the shadow of that one. And so this is good news. You know what's wrong with a lot of God's people today? Many of God's people, and it may be true of you, I hope that it's not, are listening to the news and listening to the media more than you're listening to the good news that God's given us in his blessed word. You need to turn the television off. You need to get alone. You need to get quiet with God. And you need to ask God, Lord God, speak to me through this word. Encourage me. Help me to be so intently focused on you. There'd be no room for anxiety and fear. Help me to draw so close to you that I am in your blessed shadow. When I was a little boy growing up in Beaufort County uh, here in North Carolina. I remember anytime something would begin to upset me, begin to worry me, begin to cause me to have anxiety or fear, the first place I wanted to get was in my daddy's shadow. Or in my granddaddy's shadow. I, I did a lot of farming work with my granddaddy in eastern North Carolina. And as a little boy, just if I could get into my dad or granddaddy's shadow, all the fear would go away. Because I knew nothing can bother me. That spider's not going to bother me. That snake's not going to bother me. This fear is, is not going to bother me anymore if I can just get in their shadow. You know why that is? Because if you're standing in somebody's shadow, you've got to be standing pretty close to them. You understand that? I mean, this is not rocket science here. To stand in somebody's shadow means when he turns, I'm going to turn. When he stops, I'm going to stop. When he goes forward, I'm going to go forward. And the psalmist says here, position is important in overcoming fear. How are you going to respond to the coronavirus? I'm going to get, position is important. I'm going to get in the shadow of El Shaddai, Elohim, El Yon, the God of all gods. I'm going to get in his shadow. When I'm in his shadow, I'm as close to God as I possibly could be. Position is important. I'll tell you something else about position is important. Not only in God's shadow, but i got to make sure I'm in God's fortress. In God's fortress. I want you to notice this in verse 2. The psalmist says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I have fears and phobias, if I have things, you know, if you're afraid to get on the elevator or you're afraid of water or you're afraid, of, afraid to fly in an airplane or you're afraid of heights. It used to be a song years ago, uh, it was probably my theme song as a young man growing up, I don't like spiders and snakes and that ain't what it takes to love me like I want to be loved by you. You remember that song? I know some of you do. I don't have to be afraid. 
I don't have to be filled with anxiety. Position is important. I need to position myself in the shadow of God. I need to get as close to Him. I need to be reminded of who He is. His attributes. The fact that He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That He never changes. That He's with me. Who do I surround myself with when fear begins to creep in? When I find myself in the midst of a crisis... I need to surround myself with God Almighty. Now, this is a beautiful thing. I don't want you to miss this. I said position is important. The writer of Psalm 91 tells us that we need to make sure we're under God's wing. I need to get under God's wing. Now, this is a beautiful picture. I see it here in verse 1. It says, He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. And so God is pictured here like a mother hen that gathers her chicks under her wings in times of danger. You know, Jesus said something like this. It's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, verse 37. Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Jesus said that about Jerusalem. He said, I would gather you under my wings, but you were not willing. You know, many of us have been running around. Much of society has been running around. Uh, where do we go? Where do we go in the midst of this crisis? We need to go under the wings of the Savior. When you're afraid, you get in his shadow. You get in his presence. You know that God is going to protect you. A little chick would run and get under the mother hen's wings, and that mother would offer safety and comfort and protection. I heard a story years ago of a missionary who was serving in South Africa, and this missionary said a terrible, terrible fire, wildfire, began to take place and just destroyed everything for miles and miles. I mean, there was nothing living, anything green was charred, was burned up, and this missionary said after the fire had died down and after it was safe to do so that he left the missionary compound and he took a walk and he walked down this little path. He said there was so much devastation all around him. No sign of life, just everything burned, everything dark and black and smutty. He said he came across the saddest sight he had ever seen before in his life. He said he came upon the burnt, charred remains of a mother hen that was still situated, still sitting on her nest. And the missionary said he walked up to the carcass of that mother hen sitting there on the nest and he took his shoe and just knocked over the, the carcass of that mother hen. And as he did, the missionary said, out from underneath that dead mother hen ran all these baby chicks. They had been protected from the fire. The mother hen had sat there on that nest and protected her young chicks underneath from the flames that raged. Let me tell you something, my friend. My Savior, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, went all the way to the cross of Calvary for me and for you. He took upon himself the fires of hell to give me protection that I might run to him, that I might flee from the, from the death and the pain and destruction and the consequences of sin in this life, that I can find shelter under my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, preacher, where do I go when I'm afraid? Where do I go for provision and protection? Where do I go when I'm afraid? You get in his shadow. You get in his refuge. You get under his wing. 
Protection is important. How are you going to respond to the coronavirus? Position is important. Number two, protection is important. I tell you, if I'm going to get through this thing, if you're going to get through this thing, we've got to have protection. We've got to have protection that's outside of what we have. Outside of human means. We've got to have a supernatural protection. The Bible says right here in Psalm 91, God's already given us this protection. What do we need protection from? Well, we need protection from people. I mean, people try to hurt you, don't they? There's mean people out there in the world because we live in a sinful society. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the error that flies by day. Now, there are plenty of things that can make you afraid at night. The psalmist is talking about terror at night. You can be laying in bed and you can hear a creaking floorboard. And all of a sudden, you're afraid. You can hear a rattling outside from the wind. we got a windy day today. You may hear a rattling outside your window. That may cause fear within you. You know, they tell us, law enforcement tell us, most burglaries happen under the cover of darkness. And so there's a lot of things we could be afraid of at night. Then the Bible says in verse 5, it talks about arrows. Now, you know, some people fire guns, but a lot of people shoot arrows. And what I mean by that, when the Bible talks about arrows, many times the Bible's talking about words that we speak. It's also talking about the enemy, that he fires those fiery arrows at us. But many times the Bible refers to the words that we speak as being arrows. Many times people attack us, not with weapons in hand, but they attack us with the words that they speak. You probably remember the little children's chorus, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not true. Words do hurt. Words devastate. And in times like this, especially as God's people, we need to make sure that we're speaking words to encourage, words that speak life, words that give a blessing, words that's going to help somebody, that we're not speaking words of criticism, we're not speaking words of judgment, that we're not all doom and gloom because we know the God of life and we're positioned under his shadow. And things that are happening right now, the coronavirus and all around our world, and we're getting updates constantly. It's like every day there's something new. Negativity on the network, 24-7. I mean, anytime anything happens in our society, whether it's the coronavirus or whatever it may be, the media is real good at harping on those things, again, 24-7. I mean, you can cut the news on at any time during the day or night, and you can, you can feed yourself that negativity. I mean, if it's not warnings about the water you drink. I heard something, a news report not too long ago. They put drinking water under a microscope. And they were talking about all the stuff, microorganisms that's in the water that you drink. Be careful about the water that you drink. Oh, don't go out in the sun. The sun can cause you to have cancer. Don't use these artificial sweeteners. I mean, if you use equal, it can give you headaches. If you use sweet and low, it can give you cancer. Don't use sugar. It can make you fat. Somebody was talking about the ozone. I hadn't figured out if it's shrinking or if it's getting larger. Somebody says there's holes in the ozone. Somebody else said it's shrinking. I'm just afraid I'm going to get caught somewhere in between. It's going to choke me to death. I'm just saying there's a lot that you can be filled with despair about. There's a lot if all you're doing is listening to the world and the talking heads on TV, it can fill your heart with despair. You need to turn it off, get quiet, get along with God, 
People can cause you tremendous fear. We need protection from people. The psalmist says in verse 5, You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the error that flies by day. That word fear is a word that actually means dread. And people are scared to death. You know, you can do everything you can do. I mean, you can put half a dozen deadbolts on your door, make sure they're all locked. You can have a loaded gun on your nightstand. You can take you can take sleeping pills to help you sleep. You can dig a moat all around your house. You can fill that moat with water. You can put sharks in there. You can make it so no person could ever get through. Not even a dog could get to you. And fear can still find a way into your heart and into your mind. I'm telling you how you ought to respond to the coronavirus, but I'm also telling you on the authority of the Word of God, what is the cure for fear? Position is important. Protection is important. I need protection from people. I need protection from pestilence. He talks about pestilence in verse 6. The term pestilence refers to any kind of contagious or infectious disease that is devastating. And we're certainly in the midst of a pestilence right now. This coronavirus, we need to pay attention to what's going on. We need to stay updated. It is a pestilence. It's a contagious disease. It's especially dangerous to those who are older, to our elderly. It's especially dangerous to those who already have health problems, weak immune systems, COPD, respiratory problems, asthma, uh, bronchitis, all those things. It just complicates the issue. We need to pray for one another. We need to ask for God's protection. We need to seek the answers that we need from God Almighty. We need to ask Him to give our leadership, to give our experts, those in the medical field, the answers that are needed to minister to us. We need protection from people. We certainly need protection from the pestilence that's upon us. We need protection from everyday problems. Now, I see this in verse 10. Verse 10 says, No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague will come near your tent. That word tent there is talking about your house, where you live, probably where you are right now. And when the Bible talks about your tent, the Bible's reminding us our homes here are temporary. It's a tent. It's not meant to be permanent. We've got to remember we're just pilgrims passing through. We're making our way closer and closer to that place called heaven that place that we sing about sometimes, sweet Beulah land, we're making our way to our eternal home. We're just passing through. We don't fit in here. Don't cling to what is here, what is temporary. Keep your eyes on the goal. That's eternity with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're just passing through. But when the Bible refers to our tent, it's talking about our everyday issues, the problems you have in your home, the problems you have in your family. Everyday struggles you have to deal with, paying your bills and putting food on the table and and, uh, fixing leaking leaking plumbing and taking care of all those things that are part of life, everyday needs. We need protection from those as well. And so how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to everything that's going on? Well, I've already said position is important. Protection is important. How are you going to respond? Number three, personnel is important. We need supernatural help. And the God and the God of the Bible tells us right here in verse 11. Verses 11 and 12, he says, For he will command his angels concerning you, 
to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You know, I believe in angels. I believe in angels because God says he created angels as ministering spirits to minister to us. Now, I've known people down throughout the years who are so intently focused on angels, they collect angels. Maybe that's you. There's nothing wrong with collecting angels. But you need to be focused more on the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, than you are angels. But I'm thankful for angels. I'm thankful for the presence of angels that are around us. It's obvious God created angels, placed them in our lives. I remember a story in the Old Testament of the prophet Elisha. And he had his servant. The enemy was moving in. You may remember this story. And Elijah was not afraid, even though the enemy outnumbered them. But Elisha's servant was afraid. And so Elisha went to God in prayer. And Elisha asked God, I pray you'd open the eyes of my servant that he may see. And God answered Elisha's prayer. And his servant's eyes were opened. And when the servant looked out, the servant didn't just see the enemy, but God allowed the servant to see angels. And the Bible says in the Old Testament there were angels everywhere. I mean, they were on the hills. They were in the valleys. They far outnumbered and exceeded the number of the enemy. And immediately when Elisha's servant began to realize there's angels there for us in Camp all around us. They're going to do our fighting for us. Immediately the fear left Elisha's servant. We need to realize there's angels all around us. Even in the midst of what we're doing right now, there's angels all around us. Now, you know, I know some faiths believe there's a guardian angel. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says there's more than one angel. The Bible says there's a multitude of angels encamped all around us. Now, for the most part, this morning on this Lord's Day, I'm preaching to an empty sanctuary. Only got three people in here. Two are up in the sound and my wife sitting right down here in the front row. But I know what I can't see right here. There's angels all in the pews. There's angels all up here around me. There's angels standing around me, behind me, lifting me up. I believe the Bible says angels are here to minister to us in times of need. I believe when you get to heaven, God's going to open up all those mysterious things that have happened in your life and in my life. Things that we called close calls. And God's going to show us, oh, they weren't close calls. They were my angels ministering to you. I remember a traveling evangelist who was telling this story of how he was uh, scheduled to preach in another state. He was getting ready to catch a, a flight to get to his preaching engagement. And he told the story how he was in the airport and he had his ticket in his pocket, his flight ticket. And he bumped into a stranger, somebody he didn't know, just bumped into him, had a little jostle there with him as he bumped into him. And he said after the guy just kind of walked away real swiftly, the evangelist went to the ticket counter to get on his flight, and he reached in his coat pocket to pull out that flight ticket, and it was gone. It had disappeared. And the only explanation that evangelist could figure, that guy that bumped into him stole his airline ticket. Now, just shortly after that plane took off, the evangelist heard that plane crash. And every single person on board that flight perished. Every single one of them died. And so when the evangelist would go about and he would preach and he would tell that story, he referred to that man that he bumped into at the airport as an angel. You know, the Bible says oftentimes we entertain angels unawares. We don't even know it. And they're angels we come in contact with every day. You know, in the Bible, the Bible says there were angels present when Jesus was born. There were angels present 
uh, when the announcement to Joseph and Mary that uh, Mary was going to conceive, angels were, were present. I think about when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness of the devil. The Bible says angels were present. I think about when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. The Bible says that angels were present. When he gave up his soul, gave up his spirit for us, the Bible says that angels were present. When he rose again the third day and those women came to that tomb to anoint what they thought was going to be the dead body of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that angels met them there. Angels are here to minister to us, to help us. You're not alone. You're not alone. You've got your church family. You've got brothers and sisters in Christ, but you've got angels all around you. I want to also say something about the purpose of angels. Right here in our text in verse 11, the purpose of angels. The Bible says, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Angels guard us in all our ways. They keep us in the will of God. Hebrews 13.2 says that we often entertain angels unaware. Wow. Wow. Angels. What you don't see. Who you don't see. Those angels all around us this morning. And then I want to say something about the power of angels. See, I need protection outside of me. I need protection outside of mankind. I need the protection of angels. Verse 12 says, On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. God has set angels all around you. What are you worried about? Why are you anxious? Why are you afraid? Why are you fretting? Why have you stocked up 500 rolls of Charmin in your pantry when you've got angels all around you? Angels encamped all around us to guard us, to lift us up, to protect us, to give us the power that we need to overcome all that we've got to overcome. So how are you going to respond to the coronavirus? Well, number one, position is important. Get in his shadow. Be reminded who God is. Number two, protection is important. We've got angels all around us. The Bible makes it clear. Personnel is important. Number four, don't miss this, prayer is important. We ought to always pray. The Bible says in verse 15, when he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And that last verse, verse 16, says that God will bless him with a long life. If you see that, say uh-huh. That's Greek word means I agree with you, preacher. No, I'm just kidding. But uh-huh, you agree. You see that right there. God says, I'm going to bless you with a long life. Those who put their faith and their trust in me. And so you don't have to sit there scared to death, scared out of your wits, shaking in your shoes, can't sleep, can't think right, why are you choosing to allow fear to control you when you can go straight to God, straight to the one who created you, straight to the one who loves you, straight to the one who remains the same even though society and so many things are changing? He never changes. You can run straight to him and he has everything that you need. Why are you afraid? Many of our folks have been like the man who took a mountain walk. He was up in the mountains. It was late in the day. 
Maybe he got him a mountain cabin to get away from the coronavirus. I don't know, but he's up in the mountains. It was late in the day. He wasn't familiar with the trails, but he decided late in the day, I'm going to go for a walk. And so he went for a walk down the trail. And he got so caught up on the environment around him and the beauty of the sunset going, sinking down behind the mountains, he lost track of time. And before he knew it, it was pitch black dark. He didn't have a flashlight, didn't know his way. And so he's stumbling down that trail trying to find his way back to his cabin. And the story goes, the man slipped and he fell off the edge of the mountain. And he reached and he grabbed a little limb, a little tree that was growing out of the side of the mountain. He just hung on to that limb for dear life. He couldn't see anything. It was pitch black. And he began to cry out, help, help, somebody help me, save me. And he's hanging on to that limb for dear life for hours. His hands begin to hurt until finally he can't hold on anymore. And he lets go of the limb and he drops six inches. Six inches is all he was from the ground, and he landed safely. You know, so many people in the midst of this crisis are hanging on by the skin of their teeth. They're hanging on by their fingernails. They're hanging on as tight as they can. Help me. Help me. Somebody give me what I need. When what you need to do is just let go and trust God. God's still there. His great big invisible hand is under you. He's ready to catch you. Let go of the anxiety. Let go of the fear. Let go of all the stresses that's weighing you down that's from the enemy and let God. For a child of God, you have no need to fear or be afraid or be terrified in what's happening around us. Just so you'll remember, it's in verse 14. It says, he holds fast to me in love. He holds fast. To me and to you in love. God loves you. You know, this morning, I want to pray with you. And I don't know who's listening to this live stream, who's listening to this video, this message. You know, it could be somebody in the midst of this chaos, and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Well, you've got good reason to be afraid. Not of necessarily the coronavirus, but you need to be afraid of eternity. You need to be afraid because you're not, not right with God. I'm going to ask you right now, right where you are, if you can, if you bow your head in prayer with me, because we're going to pray together, and I'm going to pray for you. First, I want to pray for those who maybe don't know that they're saved. If you don't know for sure that you're saved today in the midst of all that's going on in our world, you know, all this is fulfillment of prophecy. The Bible says in the last book of the Bible, in the book of the Revelation, part of the signs of the times, there's going to be increased sickness. There's going to be pestilence across our land. There's going to be times of uncertainty. We're dealing with those right now. The Bible says that we're going to come. You need to get right with God. Right now, with heads bowed, if you're willing to pray this prayer from your heart, if you'll ask Jesus to come in and be your Savior, the Bible says he'll do it right now. If you mean this from your heart, dear Heavenly Father, right now I look to you in faith. I don't know if I'm right with you. I don't know if I was to die today, if I would, if I would be welcome in heaven. Right now, from my heart, I open my heart to you. I ask Jesus Christ to come in and to save me. Forgive me of my sins. I know I need a salvation I cannot provide. Lord God, I'm asking you to save me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter uh, chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, 
that if you believe in your heart God raised him from the, bed, from the dead, you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Many more of you are listening to this message today and you needed this word of encouragement. You know what? The preacher needs it too. When I get in God's word, God speaks to my heart. I need to be encouraged. You need to be encouraged. We need to be refocused on the one that we serve. Right now, I want to pray for you. Those that are struggling with fear and anxiety right now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just reached my hand out this morning in faith. I pray, Lord, that you would touch some minds, touch some hearts, touch some lives. I pray you drive out fear and anxiety. Help us, Lord, not to just be hearers of your word. Help us to be doers of your word. Help us, Lord, not just to hear it with our human ears, but, Lord God, to receive it into our hearts. Help us to hear it. Help us to heed it. Help us to apply it. Help us to renew our minds with the truth that you've given us this morning in Psalm 91. Help us, Lord, to draw close to you. Perfect love casts out fear. Help us to love you, Lord God, with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul. Help us, Lord, to long for you, to thirst for you, to draw so close to you. Even in this time, Lord God, to rejoice because you're still in control. You're still on the throne. And so right now, as I pray for each one, stress, anxiety, fear, be gone in the name of Jesus. In our minds, help us to think right. Help us to act right. Help us to be the people of God you've called us to be. I pray for those who, who, have, who are just accepting Christ as their Savior. Right now, just moments ago, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with power. Give them wisdom to know now they need to get in your word. They need to connect with brothers and sisters in Christ. They need to be encouraged. They need to be strengthened, Lord, through you and through your truth. I know there's people that are sick that are listening right now, physically under sickness, colds, bronchitis, allergies. Lord, it's that season. Many of us are, are sneezing and coughing. Bronchitis, pneumonia, sickness, colds. I ask, Lord, arthritis be gone. Lord, I pray you'd strengthen bodies, drive out pain and sickness. Give us, Lord, the wisdom we need to know what we need to do to be wise in, in our time of recovery. You know our needs. And, Lord, I know that you love us. Lord, you just reminded us of that in your word. You love us. You want to heal us, not just physically, but, Lord, also spiritually, also emotionally, also mentally. Lord God, you want to heal us. Lord, help us to draw close to you. Help us to be so close to you that, Lord God, we're in your shadow. Help us to be reminded of the fact, Lord, you've given us all that we need. Protection is available, Lord, for us. We don't have to faint. We don't have to be weary. Help us to remember the angels that are around us, the Holy Spirit who is in us as born-again Christians. Thank you for reminding us, Lord, that you love us. And, Lord, I know that you're going to see us through. I know your church is going to be stronger because of this trial that we're going through. And Lord, I know that we're having to find creative ways to meet and to worship, even creative ways to give. I know a lot of our folks aren't used to mailing in their tithes and their offerings, but Lord, you've given us that. We've still got regular mail service. We're able to do that. We're able to meet here on the internet. And so, Lord, we're able to praise you from our hearts. Lord, you're here. You're there. You're wherever your people are, Lord. You're in our presence. God, we thank you for that. Thank you that we're not going to be defeated. We're not going to be discouraged, but, Lord, we're going to be victorious. In fact, we're more than conquerors through the one who saved us and loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.
Well, amen and praise the Lord. I trust the message today from Psalm 91 has been a blessing to you. I hope that it's been an encouragement to you in the midst of all this chaos and all the anxiety that's going on around us. You know, the Bible says these days are going to come in the last days before Christ comes back for his church. And so we're living in a moment in time where biblical prophecy is being fulfilled all around us. Don't lose hope. Don't lose faith. Put your trust in the Lord. I want to challenge you to seek creative ways that you can be the hands and feet of Christ to those around you. Emails, texts, phone calls, you can encourage one another. Make sure the words that you speak are words that are going to encourage and words that are going to help. Pray for me if you would. I'll pray for you. I promise real soon I'll be back on here with the regular podcast going out as we continue to talk about overcoming addictions from a biblical perspective. God bless you. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to leave us a positive review. If you listen on iTunes, give us five stars. That would be a blessing, and that would help us reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Until next time, be faithful, be prayerful, be hopeful, and be encouraged. 